Welcome to episode seven of Between the Times. Uh, we are a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian, a church plant in Charleston, South Carolina, and my name is Pastor John Payne, and I'm here with my good friends Gabriel Williams and Ross Hodges, and uh, had a wonderful time at Bible study this morning. We oh, were great. down at the Village Bakery in old the old village and uh, spent some time uh, talking about uh, growing in Christ. And, mm -hmm. and Gabe, it looks like you had a little accident. You've got coffee all over the front of your shirt. Uh, what, what, what happened uh, there? Sometimes you have a hole in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the cup doesn't sit right. <laughs> so. Sometimes that coffee just attacks you. Yeah, exactly. So. Well, it looks, it looks good. It's a nice addition it's, to your shirt it's there. It's good modern art yeah. <laughs> on a t-shirt. Well, uh, we wanted to uh, talk just uh, a few minutes today on, on today's podcast uh, with uh, Ross Hodges, who is our assistant pastor, and one of his uh, main jobs is to have a, a Bible study, an outreach to students in, in downtown Charleston. And uh, from the inception of our church plant two years ago, uh, Ross has been uh, leading a Bible study. Uh, we, we call it MUSC and Friends, the Medical University of South Carolina and Friends. And uh, there have been uh, several students that have been coming from that. Also, uh, young people, young marriage, young singles who attend as well. Uh, that ranges from anywhere between, between 10 to 20 people. And That's right. Uh, it's been a, a great study. And uh, Ross, tell us a little bit about what the goal is for uh, that, that Bible study. Sure, yeah, we, we want to have a, as a church, have a reach into the student community in the area. There's a lot of students here in Charleston. We have the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina here in Charleston. We have uh, the College of Charleston. As you mentioned, we have MUSC. There's um, uh, the uh, law school. There's a law school here. Uh, there's also Charleston Southern, uh, just a little bit uh, north of downtown. So a lot of students and a lot of people coming for this phase of their life of learning, whether med school or undergraduate. And uh, as a church, we want to have a presence there. We want to have a reach into the student community so that we can um, bring the, the good news of the gospel and the mission of discipleship. And you're not studying light fare. Well, <laughs> no, I, I hope it's not uh, light. We've, we've done everything from the Lord's Prayer, a, a multi-week study in the Lord's Prayer, to a full study of the book of Galatians. Uh, we did the doctrines of grace for multiple weeks, and uh, most recently we've been doing uh, an apologetics study, essentially. Mm -hmm. we, we covered uh, for several weeks the topic of human sexuality, and in particular uh, homosexuality, and what uh, the biblical understanding and response is in the culture in which we live. Uh, most recently we've been uh, studying the Word of God and uh, the issues of canonicity and the integrity nice. of uh, the scriptures in the New Testament in particular and uh, just a couple of nights ago uh, we we did a, uh, a study on the problem of evil and these are all subjects that skeptics and unbelievers That's are right. are dealing with these are these are the questions that are being raised and in some minds questions that debunk Christianity that's right. Yeah, I, I call these uh, sort of coffee shop conversations. So that if you're, you know, you're hanging out at the coffee shop and you're uh, studying, you know, for an exam, or spilling something, it on your shirt, spilling it on yes. your shirt, yes. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> uh, and, and you get into a conversation with your average barista or other fellow coffee shop uh, person. A lot of times, these are the conversations that come up. You know, why do Christians hate gay people? Uh, why do Christians trust the Bible? Don't you know that it's just a 
uh, a man-made collection of ancient documents that aren't any more special than others. And so I, I, I want our students, I, I want our people in, in church to, to know the objections that are out there and to know some of the false accusations and to know uh, what the biblical answers are to these things. Indeed, and last night in your study, you uh, spent some time thinking about the problem of evil. And uh, this, in many minds, is the biggest obstacle to them embracing biblical Christianity. Now, we, of course, understand that no person will will believe apart from the sovereign grace of God and the Holy yes. Spirit drawing them, Amen. right? Amen. We, we recognize that. Uh, and yet, uh, in their humanity, these are the, the things that they're saying are stopping them from believing the gospel. We know it's not just an intellectual argument. It's a matter right. of the heart. But these are the intellectual arguments brought against uh, the gospel. So, Ross, tell us a little bit about your, your, your conversation last night with the students and, and how you encourage them and encourage all of us to deal with this so-called problem of evil. Right. I think it is uh, important to say what you have just said, that um, with any apologetics, uh, what we want to do is is equip the people of God to know the truth and to be able to articulate the truth, and yet at the same time to put all of our confidence and trust in the Holy Spirit working in people's hearts. Um, so this, this problem of evil, or so-called problem of evil, as you have said, is a major, major issue for many people. One of our students mentioned that in all the philosophy classes she's taken. Mm -hmm. This was the very first thing that the professors of course. bring up. And the, the problem, uh, to paraphrase it, is, is something, uh, goes something like this. We see lots and lots of evil and suffering in the world. That's just a fact. Mm -hmm. And if the God of the Bible existed, uh, he would do something about it. Mm -hmm. That's the sort of the core. And uh, the, the argument goes all the way back, uh, was articulated by a Greek philosopher named Epicurus in, I think, the 3rd or 4th century BC. And the reasoning is that if God was uh, who he says he is, if he was all-powerful and he didn't stop evil, which obviously he hasn't, then he's not good, and mm -hmm. therefore he's not God. Um, but if he has the will to stop evil, he's good enough to have the will and desire to stop evil, but he hasn't, and there's still the amount of human suffering that there is, well, then he's not all-powerful, and therefore he's not God. And so this assumes certain things, uh, because one of the, the major assumptions here is that um, evil is not, cannot be used ultimately for a good purpose. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, putting a great deal of confidence in our human understanding and our human foresight. And uh, there's uh, one of the examples that's uh, brought up in some of the reading that uh, I did to prepare for this uh, is uh, what's called the the fallacy of the noceums. You know, down here in South Carolina, we <laughs> we have these little uh, bugs. And I don't know if technically they're a bug or not, but these things that if you go outside, they're like an invisible mosquito. And if you're outside very long, you you'll start smacking yourself because you feel your, yourself being, <laughs> being bitten, but you can't see them. Mm -hmm. And so the the analogy is that um, if you if you're camping and you go to look in your tent, and somebody says, "Hey, where's the Saint Bernard?" and you look in your tent, it's reasonable if you don't see a Saint Bernard in your tent to say, "Well, there's no Saint Bernard here." However, the, it's not as reasonable to say to look in your tent and say, "Oh, there's no no CMs here." Mm -hmm. Well, because you can't see them. Well, with the problem of evil, the argument is that all the evil we see. There's no good that comes of it. There's absolutely no way that it can ultimately be used for good. Well, that, again, is putting a great deal of confidence in the human uh, psyche, the human perception, uh, human uh, wisdom. And so the point that needs to be made is 
uh, well, there's several points that need to be made. And one of those is that uh, when it comes to the God of the Bible, uh, and this is a point that Tim Keller brings up very nicely in his book, uh, The Reason for God, um, when you're arguing, when you're making your argument against God uh, based upon the problem of evil, what you're saying is, um, I'm making God big enough to be responsible for all the evil and suffering in the world, but I'm not going to make God big enough to have reasons that go beyond mine. It's mm. a great point. Mm. It's, it's 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 a it shows the arrogance of mankind. It does. It it does. It's the it's the arrogance of modern man to say that I understand reality better than than God does. Mm -hmm. Um, that reality can't go beyond me and my vision. And so it, it wipes off the table any possibility of the God of Isaiah 55, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes, Keller makes the, the wonderful point on page 25 of his book, The Reason for God, which really was written for uh, the kind of New York skeptic that he's yeah. around all of the time. Uh, and um, he writes, If you have a God great and transcendent enough to be mad at because he hasn't stopped evil and suffering in the world, then you have at the same moment a God great and transcendent enough to have good reasons for allowing it to continue that you can't know. Indeed, you can't have it both ways. The problem of evil really is a bigger problem for the unbeliever than of it is course. for the believer, isn't it? Absolutely, and that's, that's the other major point that needs to be made here. As soon as we start talking about the categories of good and evil, if we are going to make those objective transcendent categories, in other words, not just relative, not just essentially my opinion, um, then we have to have a standard which mm -hmm. is transcendent, which goes beyond uh, localized morality, which goes beyond social morality. It is truly, there is truly good and truly evil. That must be, it has to be grounded in the character of God because otherwise you're, you're, you have a moving target. Mm -hmm. Another important thing to bring up um, is that God is holy, and when mankind sinned and walked away from God, God, in his judgment, cursed the world. And so the world has become a, a place of brokenness. Mm -hmm. And so we need to recognize that general judgment that has been brought upon the world, upon people, and upon nature itself, mm -hmm. because it's no, we're no longer in the Garden of Eden, are we? No. Mm -hmm. and, and so part of this issue as well, when you think about hurricanes and tsunamis and tornadoes and random acts of violence and these mm -hmm. kinds of things they're all horrible we must call them what they are they're they're horrible things and yet we trust in a god who is big enough a god who is good who is as romans 8:28 says working all things together for those who love him and are called according to his purpose mm -hmm. and so we can look back to for instance the life of joseph yes mm -hmm. in genesis chapter 50 he tells his brothers who essentially sold him into slavery, a horrible act, a dastardly act that they committed against him. He says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Mm -hmm. That's right. We see the same in uh, the act of, of Judas mm -hmm. in the New yes. Testament. What he meant for evil, and he did mean it for evil. Yes. His own will was evil in doing what he did in betraying Christ. God meant for good because through that act of treachery, Christ goes mm -hmm. to the cross and dies for our sins and mm -hmm. saves us. And that brings up another important point, doesn't it, about, about God understanding our suffering. Amen. Yes, that's the, that's the third major point that needs to be brought out in this discussion, is that we don't have a God who is aloof from suffering. Mm -hmm. Instead, we have a God who entered into suffering mm -hmm. in the person and work of Jesus. And Hebrews brings out uh, this very clearly, speaking of the suffering of Christ, the intentional suffering of Christ, for the sake of his people. And so this mm -hmm. is not uh, 
the, the philosophical answers to the problem of evil it, it are not much comfort for those who are suffering. And, and we, we want to say right uh, very clearly that we know people suffer deeply and greatly. And so philosophy doesn't, doesn't answer that. It doesn't help people in their time yeah. of need. But what does is that they have a God who knows their suffering. In fact, who experienced suffering and did so that he might bring the answer to suffering. Mm -hmm. So that uh, suffering is not the final word. Amen. And so that we have a hope of glory mm. that um, th this world is not our final home, but in fact there will be a new heaven and a new earth where there are no more tears, there is no more sin, there is no more pain. Amen. It's the golden thread running all throughout scripture that we move from suffering to glory, glory. From, from, from humiliation to exaltation, and we follow uh, in the pathway of our pioneer, the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself went from humiliation to exaltation, from suffering to glory. And so there is that, that eschatological hope, that, an, that glorious anticipation of that day when we will once again be in the garden paradise, mm -hmm. the new heavens and the new earth. So That's right. again, as Ross says, our suffering uh, is not, uh, we don't despair in our suffering because of that glorious hope we have, even in the deepest, darkest times of, of suffering. That's right, and, and if we're willing to trust God, which if we are Christians we should be, then we can have confidence that in His eternal and infinite uh, sovereign goodness that He indeed is using suffering to, uh, to make future glory and future joy greater than it could have been otherwise. Amen. Amen. So while we must um, be very clear, this is a mysterious doctrine. Uh, we fight to find the right words. Our minds are stretched as we think about the problem of evil. But at the end of the day, we have great hope because we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding, uh, as well as we recognize that this is a bigger problem for unbelievers who want to challenge a God they don't even believe in That's right. to give definition to evil itself because the reality is Apart from believing in a good and a holy God, uh, how are you to know what evil is in the first place? Well, there cannot be true evil if there is no God. And then there's the other reality that if you accept evil as a fact, you now have to ask the question, what best explains the nature of evil throughout the world we see today? Indeed. And it's in this case when you look at all the other answers from various different other philosophies where some would say evil and good have always existed together in which case there is no hope for the future because who's mm -hmm. to say evil will not overwhelm the yes. good right. that's yeah. a great uh, point. and that's to me that is the most driving home point of this discussion here is that we can have the philosophical discussion on where evil came from but the question is will evil prevail mm. and yes. that is a very serious question when thinking about injustice today the reason that people cry for justice is because there is at least the seed of God in them that says this right. cannot be the final word. Otherwise, we would have no reason to cry for justice. We would just accept it as our natural reality. And this is why we always come back to the cross. Amen. That's right. Because at the cross, Christ satisfied God's justice for sinners like us. Mm -hmm. uh, at the cross, we see a demonstration of infinite love, that steadfast love which endures forever. At the cross, we see the conquering of evil Amen. and death 
and hell and Satan. And so it is at the cross where this problem of evil uh, becomes not a problem anymore for us if we are in him, if we are united to him by grace through faith. So this has been a a marvelous uh, brief discussion on a on a mammoth uh, subject. <laughs> yes, scratching the surface. Scratching the surface. <laughs> Certainly scratching the surface, but hopefully uh, some things here will be an encouragement to our listeners. I know they have been to me. Well, uh, we hope that you've enjoyed listening to Between the Times. <laughs>